<laughs> All right, podcast listeners, I'm back. It's uh, episode 31. Uh, today I'm with my old friend Joy Shannon. We met in 2013 yep. in Los Angeles. Uh, she came to interview me for a magazine, if I remember correctly. Culture magazine. Culture magazine. Can you scoot forward some? Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. good. Yeah. What, what was Culture? Is that still around? Culture's still around. It's yeah. a medicinal marijuana magazine. Oh, yeah. It was like the free one you could get at the dispensaries and stuff. Yeah. And all over the place, actually. Yeah. I but was it was like a pro-cannabis, but covered all subjects. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Culture. Yeah, culture. Are there other magazines like that around? Gosh, not that I know You know of. what I mean? Like, I, did, I, I just wonder if that spawned a whole industry of those kinds of cannabis uh magazines and things well, i guess there was one in colorado one. but yeah. we might have been getting the same magazine there yeah it might, it might be we uh culture covered the the west coast they they were in dispensaries in colorado as well yeah that's what i thought yeah that's cool yeah rad yeah um, i wrote I, I wrote specifically about art and music for them not not um not typically marijuana but yeah no that was my understanding too when we met yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. Um and s- uh, just to kind of give a, a a framework for our friendship like from there we hung out some got to know each other and I I don't remember how long it was but I knew you did art and you were an art teacher at the time yes. as well. Yeah, Is that yeah. right? And uh for some reason I felt like you were the kind of person that could really benefit from learning how to tattoo and maybe working in that field. And I threw that out and then you were into it. Yeah. And I kind of formally kind of s- stood there and over your shoulder at a f- on occasion <laughs> quite a few times yeah. kind of just helping you learn the learn the trade and that's what you've done professionally now ever since. Yep pretty much and that's that's really cool to me you know because it's uh it's one of those things where you can put an art tool in someone's hand and some people really run with it and other people are like oh that was cool and then they they let it go you know um but with uh tattooing especially it's like i feel like you got to be really cautious about who you let into that world on some level you know um but uh we'll we'll get into that some more you know but yeah, i'd i'd yeah. like to uh let our younger artists listeners kind of understand how we get to the positions that we get to and where we are now so let me know you know where did you grow up and when well i mostly grew up in california um i'm from uh, an irish family and my dad always had dreams of going to california irish that's cool wanted to be in the sunshine. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we got here. Um, so you, were you born in Ireland or born here? I was, I was born in Chicago. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Chicago. Irish part of Chicago, South. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, but by way of Ireland through my dad. Sure. Okay. Um, and all my family's still in Ireland now, so I I have a, a deep tie to that, which it inspires and informs a lot of my art. You know, I, I, yeah, culture. it does. Yeah. It does in really cool ways. I like how you. Uh, personalized the trade of tattooing to for your you know based on your own self and your uh connections to your past and whatnot yeah it's really cool that like that you know i love i love celtic 
um, mythology and uh, Celtic style art. Um, and I wanted to figure out how to do that with the tattoos as well. So, sure. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun with that. That's rad. You know, and it's interesting because the tradition of, um, like, I think ancient Irish people totally got tattooed, but um, that tradition has you know, been lost through... When were Irish people getting tattooed historically? Can you know, like 1300s or...? Oh, no, before, like way before. Um, they were converted to Christianity about like 800. So okay. it would have been before then. Um, okay. It probably would have been. Around the time of Christ, like it would have been, let's say, common yeah, yeah, um, similar, to, for probably, them to be getting tattooed. Yeah, similar to probably Nord the Nordic cultures. As the, well. like, like mummies and things of uh, Irish, there, you know, so you can see the examples of the tattooing. Yeah, I, I believe there are. Um, I'd have to do some research, see. Um, no, it's interesting to me. I love to see those. With, you yeah. know the uh, you know when they discover a new mummy these days, usually somebody right away goes in and makes kind of tracings or observations of the tattoos that they had, and they'll publish kind of a little map of the the yeah. tattoos that the person had. They're yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, I love seeing that. Like the yeah. kind of like Siberian princess. So yeah. many women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they find so many mummified women that were heavily tattooed. Yeah, and, and oftentimes they were... I mean, there. I don't know if that's a bias. I don't know if I'm just seeing that, like, you know, I don't know. But it just seems like in, when, it, when that comes across, you know, the uh, media or whatever, yeah, I notice that quite often it's a woman that they find. With a lot of Viking burials, it seems to be like a lot of the Viking burials, they were buried with tattoo equipment. So, oh, that, wow. so that people seem to have their own personal equipment or they may have been oh. tattoo artists themselves. Huh. Um, or maybe so they had yeah I wonder it's fascinating to yeah. think what the hell was going on there there's a great book called Ancient Ink that I've huh. been reading that, that, that um, describes a lot of that across, yeah. across the world yeah I wonder if like they had a kit for themselves and they made all them tattoos themselves because that would be a whole different sort of rite of passage and an earning thing and a way to creatively express yourself and it doesn't go away if you're nomadic it's on your body yeah that's the whole thing with scrolls right with yeah, nomads right. keeping it small and yeah, portable yeah. but on your skin it can't get any better than that that's true it comes with you all the time yeah that's what i like about my tattoos as well sure <laughs> sure yeah yeah um yeah that's fascinating I like, to, I like to get into um imagining what our ancient ancestors would have been doing sure um, well what you're doing is certainly an extension of that quite yeah. literally yeah, you know, yeah. which is really cool. And even yeah. the clientele that you found internationally are into the same thing and wanting to continue that same it's, tradition. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, it's like that in Buddhist circles. Mm, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like we kind of, we find each other. Yeah, it's true. You yeah. know? Um, you and it's also that, that tradition kind of yeah. thing. You told me that when I was learning how to tattoo because I mm. remember asking you, I was like, you know, I want to create these like my style of tattoos and you you always tell me you can do whatever you want to do the audience will come to you yeah that was uh that was my that's the it, that's an interesting point in and of itself to me because that was at that sort of time of what was it 2014 yeah right yeah um because i had taught uh I had helped my friend Derek Montez get into the business of tattooing yeah, uh, yeah. years earlier and had a vastly different approach on how to teach him. Um, 
but I felt like I taught him based on the paradigm that I worked in and uh, felt like there was a very clean path to follow, um, sort of a traditional path these days, you know, of Mm -hmm. going from shop to shop to shop and, you know, letting the thing evolve, but uh, having to do whatever the customer wanted. Right. not like the customer coming to you to get your thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does happen even for people who, you know, work in custom shops, you know what I mean? Um, but in 2014, say, it was a much different world kind of in tattooing. Yeah. And it seemed to me that the people who were specializing were doing well and that was a very new thing to the whole business of tattooing. Yeah. And I know like my generation and probably the one just after me really resisted a lot of that and thought that sucked. Um, but I just thought, no, I feel like the clientele is really dictating how the business is evolving right now. And there are people that don't like to walk into a traditional tattoo shop you know, and the, the the usual trappings of that, a, a bunch of kind of egotistical, overbearing men. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, with you, it was just, it was a much different approach. Yeah. Yeah, much more like let you do your thing, find your voice in the medium and go from there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I felt like, in in the end you have to be skilled no matter what the hell you're trying to do and people mm-hmm. see that True. and True. um that's just going to take dedication to the to the art form and to the medium you know yeah. which you know you stepped up to the plate and did that thank you yeah. yeah so tell me a bit you know like um like when you were a kid were you drawing all the time yeah i love drawing and i love doing music those my two oh, you were doing those things right off. Yeah, yeah. I, w- what kind of music were you doing as a little kid? I mean, just singing I, and stuff, or did you jump right to instruments? I, I wanted to write songs no matter what. I just had songs that would play in my head that I wanted to write down. So I got a tiny little keyboard when I was six, and I was writing on this little keyboard and wow. um, singing. Yeah. And singing. What uh, were some of the earliest songs that inspired you? That I mean, I mean I've got to think if you're going to become a songwriter at such a little kid you were understanding the words in the songs and understanding the i mean god i mean that's kind of heavy yeah i mean the metaphor in songs or in the rhyme structure or whatnot Mm -hmm. but for a little kid to just be like oh okay i i want to do this too i like yeah that's pretty wild i I, so what were what were songs that you can think of that my earliest memories of musicians that i obsessed over their lyrics were um Elton John, actually. I, uh, I remember hearing Elton John and I... Storyteller. I, yeah, I'd go and ask my mom, like, what does this mean? I like the song Leave On. And then Again, I, the metaphor. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, it must have been, I must have been six, seven, asking mm-hmm. my mom, like, he says God is dead in this song. What does that mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pretty heavy, but I, I just was really... Pretty heavy for a parent to have your little kid being like... Asking about Elton John metaphors. I know. I don't know what she really could <laughs> say cool. to me, but yeah. um, years later, I worked for him actually. That's right. It's kind of full circle. I, I did uh, some of his costumes and uh, one of his tours. Wow. Um, when was that? Gosh, that was probably um, probably two thousand. 
11-ish. And were you educated as a costume designer? How did that so, come about? So that was like my first, another thing, yeah, like that was yeah, my first a multi-talented career. person. <laughs> yeah, so I I knew I always wanted to be an artist, and I knew I wanted to do music, but because I've always been really independent, I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't want to be beholden to anybody. So being like a, um, I don't know, commercial musician wasn't right for me. Um, so I, I just wanted to figure out how I could be creative and also be free. Um, yeah. So, so when I was, I went to an arts high school because I just... Where was that? Um, Chicago? No, no, in California. It was oh, okay. Orange County. High yeah, you weren't in Chicago yeah, very long. Yeah. You were just a little yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. So I was in... I was in Where did you end up in California early on? Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Where is that? Oh, that's in Orange County. It's... Uh, oh, okay. Oh, see. Yeah, that's yeah, all you yeah. got to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, Orange County has its own feel. It's, it it's not Los Angeles. No. You know what I mean? Orange County is a beast of its own, for better or worse. It is. It can be... Uh, it has kind of a terrible reputation among the neighboring communities. I've noticed <laughs> yeah. just being living in Southern California for the last nine months, like people, you know, you say you're from Orange County and they're like, uh oh, <laughs> like a little suspicious, you know, yeah, yeah. like, okay. Well, it's the, it's the bastion of uh, um, conservatism. In yeah, yeah. And this but kind of a Anna. sketchy conservatism is what I gather. Where yeah. people feel a little like they're a little dangerous. They don't want to wear the, masks right now. And <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah, I guess that's one of those communities. Yeah. And that that's what I know, much. like the the super churches and whatnot. That's they're like true. the shopping mall church kind of. They look like shopping malls, but it's yeah. just a big church and that's, that's community center and store and restaurant. And yeah, yeah, they're yeah. fascinating to me. They are. They yeah, are. but it does seem like that's a big part of the culture there. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's fascinating. Yeah, I was never part of any of that. I was always kind of... I wouldn't think so. The weirdo. <laughs> sure. Well, that's uh, the thing. I think, again, if you're the weirdo, or just a, an individual, I mean, those kinds of societies can be tough to deal with. And often you just go, fuck it. Yeah. I'm not going to participate. If you're just going to hate on me, go ahead, do your fucking thing, but I'm going to find my own way. That's true. No, yeah. I, I remember as a probably preteen and teenager that people would cross the street to go around me because they didn't want to walk by me why do you think they were doing that i think i just looked too weird i think i mean how, what did you look like i mean there's a lot of kids out there that are wondering why are they crossing the street and you're just like dressed i mean were you one of those kids that was all black or something yeah, just all black i probably always yeah see it's very casual to yeah. you but again yeah. you're in orange county <laughs> and that's the thing if and that's the thing that I have kind of always, that's always struck me, and, and I like that about you, is that, yeah, we're in Southern California, but you kind of have this gothy, witchy style that's very much your own, that's fucking cool. Oh, thank you. you. know, it's just a little out of context because we're in sunny California. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But again, I appreciate people who are just like, well, yeah, you know, whatever, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. You know, if I want to dress like this or do whatever, I'm going to do it. And again, even as a kid, you were like, ah, this is probably because of how I'm dressed or styled. And if yeah. they want to cross the street over that, fuck them. They're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and you no. just keep on the straight path and don't have to worry about those sort of hiccups. You know, yeah, people true. getting in your way. They just get right out of your way. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> That's cool. I was only remembering that recently because of the COVID stuff. 
people crossing mm. to get away from each other. And I was like, when oh, was the yeah. last time that happened? I noticed that too I when I do the neighborhood walk. Yeah, yeah <laughs> people would cross the street to avoid each other. Yeah. And I'm used to that um, from being a graffiti writer out in the middle of the night with a, you know, a hood up. So I mean, it's, you know, over six feet tall, walking quickly, like I know where I'm going to. People get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> Even people who were legitimately sketchy. If I just had my hood up and they couldn't see my eyes, right. I think my soft face and eyes kind of give away that I'm pretty innocent, you know. But if I'm just trucking along at 4 a.m., you know, with my hood up in the dark, like people get the fuck out of the way. Right. But I've noticed that too with yeah. the neighborhood walks in the pandemic. It's like even during the middle of the day, people are jumping across the street like I'm going to jump them or something. <laughs> but it's just the COVID. It's just, it's just COVID. COVID. <laughs> it's not a big deal. But it reminds me of those times. No, totally. yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I don't know if I was really that influenced by where I grew up. I was more influenced by all the music I was around, that I was absorbing. How were you getting music? Well, um... Was it all digital, or were you buying CDs? I was buying records first, records. because um, they were That's cheap. Cool. Yeah. So I could go, and I, I started with... Like used? Co- yeah, yeah, 50 cents, I could get yeah. through Bowie. Because like, sure. at the time, people weren't collecting records, so I could just... No. I could go to... Um, what year would that have been? That would have been, like... 90, um, gosh, like I started probably in 94, maybe yeah. 93, 94. I had certain friends that were buying vinyl back then. Yeah, but it, yeah. you could go to Goodwill. I was buying uh, tapes mm-hmm. to play in the car and mm-hmm. play, be able to play at home. Yeah. But a big part was be able to play my music in the car. I would try to record it. radio sucked. I'd play the vinyl and try to hold my little oh, yeah. radio up yeah. to it. I would, yeah, it. we would do that too. So I like remember... Being kind of tech savvy and figuring out how to do that with uh, like the ACDC cables and uh, or whatnot to get to be able to record from a record player into because uh, I was making skateboard videos back then and having right. to really rig it completely to make audio music play on the VHS and uh, yeah, yeah. it took a lot of experimenting <laughs> to figure out a way that worked. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. now it's like really taken for granted. Yeah, well, so my brother is, I have an older brother who influenced my music for sure because we were always trying to record Headbangers Ball and, you know, MTV raps. Right, on MTV. MTV when they played music. Yeah, so Headbangers big Ball deal. was probably the one that was really influential. Man, to me. somebody else mentioned that just the other day, Headbangers Ball. Yeah. That it was like if you were into that kind of music, that was the source was the to source. find new bands and to hear your favorite bands and see what they looked like and yeah. what their kind of their concept was visually. Yeah. MTV was fucking rad. It, yeah, back, back then. But, I remember when it first came out. Yeah, 80-something. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely remember. I remember when cable TV started, period. I'm 48 years old. So it's just one of those things like that was super, super fucking groundbreaking. It was. Music, television. Yeah, Yeah. so cool. And then those fringe shows. And those were the two, Headbangers Ball and Yo! MTV Raps. Even today, you can go back and watch those Yo! MTV Rap shows, and they were fucking great. The best people freestyling and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And Headbangers Ball had bomb-ass shit. Yeah, it had all the stuff from Scandinavia you couldn't find anywhere. Ah, right, right. What kind of bands? Because I know that you were into that kind of stuff, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Scandinavian I, metal. I specifically just remember seeing Immortal. 
immortal. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. No, I'm just wondering because I'm and sure there's people out there that are like, what? They're talking about fucking immortal? No way. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah that, and that, that, I, that influenced me to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to find more of that yeah. somewhere. You know, yeah. I what can. was it about that music that appealed to you? You know, I, I mean that even that again like okay there's metal heads and then there's girls like you that are like oh no immortal immortal's the shit well, you know what I'm saying and that's different that's, yeah, well, yeah. it's not Judas Priest yeah, it's no. not Motley Crue well, I, I also <laughs> you know like what I mean yeah. no I do um, too <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no I just I think I think it was just different from the metal that I was exposed to that was more American metal that's um, what I'm saying. And, yeah. And, uh, what, what do you think is really the the, the, the difference? I mean, the Scandinavian me- sound to me is, is a, b- a bit more in the classical music tradition yeah, of building songs and it. expressing emotion with sound yeah. um, versus a song structure that's based in like rock or the, the yeah. blues. Yeah. You know what I I'm saying? I think that's the difference because I played cello. And so certain I was people. In orchestra. And I love that that um, style of like classical metal. What is the genre called? Symphonic metal. Symphonic metal. Yeah, yeah there's a fella that uh, works at a magazine shop in San Francisco, and he would always be playing it when I went in there. Yeah. And I'd always ask him, like, who is this? You know, is this the same people you had on last time? And he was always somebody different. Yeah. But it was such a obvious style, and I really dug it. It's yeah. like Wagner, but with, you know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, electrified instruments. Yeah, and, you know, I, I like some of it. I, I also just like progressive, like, music that's telling you a story. Um, I'm know. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elton John, like, right? Yeah, That's yeah. how it started. That's true, so then yeah. that's kind of, again, transitioning into more instrumentation kind of side of it. That's true. Where it, that needs to tell a story as well for you to kind lyrics. of be satisfied. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think I think pairing those two things is probably um, what influenced me as a songwriter as a kid. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, how huh. can I make epic lyrics, yeah. but also epic music? Because mm-hmm. I also was playing in orchestras. I played cello and then eventually in, started Were you doing that in public school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, you were the so, one, of the, the girl in all black carrying an instrument case around. Yes. Oh my was. God, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's rad. Oh my God. I, I usually had such a crush on those girls when I was a kid. You know, that's oh, so funny. Again, it's like the skater kid. We were kind of outcasts on some level. Those girls were that sometimes they were nice to us and. You know, and we appreciated them for being them, you know, and then yeah. they would come and just like sit and kick it when we were skateboarding and yeah. just want to be around because we were kind of, we were nice to them, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the yeah. jock guys would like push them over or like hassle them and stuff. Right. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know, it just paints a your, picture. No, that's it's, who I am. I it, totally, that's really, that's totally. really cool. I was friends with the skaters because my brother was a skater and a tagger. Uh, yeah, see. So I could relate to we, you in some ways. We, I feel like skaters and graffiti writers both kind of are show and prove kind of things, you know, where we don't care what you look like, where you come from, how you're doing your thing, but this particular activity, if you do it well, you get respect. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, there's no there's no lines otherwise. That that's that's that. And mm-hmm. I think that um I see it even at the skate park um, in my neighborhood, too. The kind of girls that are going to the skate park and holding their own, they're a particular kind of girl. 
You know what I'm saying? But when they get rad on their own level, at their own skill level, they still get the boys will tap the boards on the, the tail of the board on the concrete as like a, like a clap kind of thing that they do. Yeah. And they'll do that for anybody that does something a little outside of their skill range and they barely pull it and you can just tell they got rad. It doesn't matter if it's some fancy trick or not. It's just right. your skill level. And it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of skateboard you're on. And I fucking love that, you know? I, I, I hope other activities that young people are into are that accommodating and supportive. Right. I hope yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know? But at the same time, if you're just kind of taking up space and fucking around and not really trying, you're, you're probably not going to, you know, get any praise at all. <laughs> right. People might mad dog you even. <laughs> like, what are you right. doing here? You know, do something or go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's funny. What instruments were you playing as a kid? Well, like like I said, I I played the little keyboard. I, I yeah. never became a good electric piano. keyboard. Yeah, it was just electric. Yeah. I never yeah. became I had a good piano player. I I ended up playing uh, cello at school. I um, love cello. Yeah, I, I do too. I I, I, I picked it because nobody else picked it actually. Oh really? Um, again? Yeah. A th- a, you know, <laughs> again, you're like, oh well, this thing is being neglected. It's got an individual. Soul yeah. of its own, an individual sound. Nobody wants to fuck with it. Yeah. I'm the one that's like that in real life, so let's pick up this one. Exactly. And that's fresh. Yeah. The cello's I, dope. Yeah, it's good. It's just a motherfucker to carry around, I suppose. Yeah, but then I moved on to harp, which is even worse. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah, in that way. Then <laughs> you're, carrying. god damn, yeah, you gotta bring a, a harp, a real yeah. harp. Yeah. No, that's yeah. cool, though. The yeah. um, Bach cello suites is pretty much my favorite piece of classical music ever. They're beautiful. I'll play it for you sometime. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I've heard a few different people play it, and it's wonderful to experience. Like, once you have a favorite kind of song or composition in classical music, and then you hear other musicians play it, you get classical music. That's mm-hmm. how it was for me. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you think, oh, well, they're not really playing... They're just playing old songs. What's the point in that? But you're bringing something back to life. It's like a museum piece that's being used again. And your voice comes through it. I mean, there's like even where you accent certain notes can become a point of historical like um beef between people like <laughs> oh beethoven wouldn't have done that why yeah. why do you accent that beethoven wouldn't have done that and you're yeah. like no nah, i think beethoven would have done that and it becomes this little yeah bickering no, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny but yeah, I, but it's yeah. one of those things i didn't i didn't appreciate classical music i think until that yeah, same with yeah. kind of jazz when you hear different jazz musicians play I guess what they would call a standard, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah. how do you... I've even done that with street musicians. I'll be like, here's a fiver. Um, can you play me a standard? Mm. And they'd be like, oh, okay, how about blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, yeah, I know that one. Please play that for me. And it's always yeah. interesting to see how they interpret it, if you yeah. know it well. I mm. love that. But if you're just hearing classical music and just think it's all the same and all, every orchestra is the same and every opera singer is the same, it's, it's, you're yeah. hugely yeah. missing out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think I always loved um, orchestral music because of the historical factor that you, you were playing hundreds of years old music. Yeah. But I, of course, when I started playing um, harp, I wanted to play even older music. I wanted to feel like connected to 
an ancient ancestor who might have played harp. Um, yeah. But the music. Oh, that's cool. The music. That was kind of part of it. You f- thought yeah. maybe. Uh, I mean, because yeah. I love that whole thinking of who were the people in my bloodline history and what skills did they acquire in their lifetime that are physically in my body. Yeah. And how can I reconnect with those tools to then reconnect with my bloodline history? Yeah. Right? And so yeah, musical yeah. instruments can be that totally like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. When I sat <laughs> behind the harp, I, I felt, it came to me pretty innately, actually, um, just just the feeling of how to play it. Sure. Um, but I also had played music for a long time before I started. I, pl- I started playing harp when I was 18, so I had, yeah. I had a decent amount of experience, but... Um, but the harp itself just felt like yeah. a soul connection. Right. You know, that... I hope kids know what a harp is. <laughs> if you don't, like, Google Google a harp. Yeah, I play a Celtic harp You play a Celtic harp. Yeah. How tall is it? Well, I have, I have ones of different sizes. So you right. can get small, like a lap size one. Oh, right, right. Um, that's my little travel well, what's harp. What's, say, like a uh, recording size. quality... My, my, um, you know, like in piano standards, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a piano turned on its side. It's yeah. totally that, isn't it? And you're yeah, just playing that. the strings instead of plucking or pl- uh, drop yeah. hitting them with a, a hammer. A hammer. Yeah. That's a great way to think of a harp. It's just you take the guts out of the piano and you play that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's how a harpsichord came about. Oh right. Sure. It. Turn a harp on its side and make little well, made little keys and hammers. Right? Yeah. Mechanize it somewhat. Yep. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Huh. That's funny. Yeah. I'm fascinated by how uh, machines evolve from one to the next, like a bicycle to the motorcycle to the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just these funny little haphazard, uh, usually uh, utilitarian needs that get met and radical transformations in technology happen from that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And musical instruments, I can see it would totally be the same. They like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's how the, pia- the piano is the pianoforte. It's like full name. And okay. What that means is um, the difference between the harpsichord and the pianoforte was that harpsichord, every time you hit uh, a, a, a key, it sounds exactly the same volume level. Oh. Um, it's just it's a hammer hitting the string. Sure. Bing, that bing, makes bing, sense. Bing, 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 like same, same. I can volume. hear that. Too, yeah. like knowing what a harpsichord sounds like. Yeah, but then when you um, piano's got this depth to it. Piano forte, they wanted soft and loud, so they wanted to be able to hit it at a soft way right. and have it sound soft, but hit yeah. it hard, have it sound loud. Yeah, which is what you can do with the harp as well, because yeah. you you have the control with your fingers. I've been playing keys um, with friends jamming, cool. and have a understanding of that myself now physically. Um, because often the keys are pressure sensitive yeah. and those nice keyboards. Yeah, those um, are the best. And, um, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's uh, like when I get stoned, you know, and get super zo- like in the zone and making the music. And even the single note with just a different accent, you know, I mean, there's so much to it um, when I'm in that zone yeah. that, yeah, the, the pressure sensitivity, all that kind of stuff is so fun to play with. Yeah. And again, I can understand how the harpsichord might be really frustrating because it's just such a flat kind of bing, you know, yeah. and that that's that, yeah. you know. That's and even the foot pedal aspect to a piano, too, is like so much fun. Yeah. Are there harps that have a system like that, like a pedal si- or like yeah, yes. where you can adjust the, what does it do? This the adjust, 
so there is a pedal harp. I don't play mm. the pedal harp. There it's is also, one. Though. It's also called the or- orchestral harp. Oh, okay. Um, those are the really big ones that yeah. are often gold and beautiful. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, those, those are like as big as people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are huge. Yeah, my my, my harp is a, is about like two feet shorter than that. Um, maybe. It's How tall is yours? So like five foot, like, six foot, four. Yeah, it's probably like four and a half. That's feet about tall. four foot tall. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, the pedal harps. The difference between what I play and that is, I'm playing an an- more closer to the ancient version of the harp where you can't change keys. I would think so. Um, yeah. You set the key that you want to play before you play the song, and then oh. it, it stays in that key. Cool. Um, pedal harps with your feet, you can yeah. change keys. Interesting. So it's a faster kind of. You can yeah. play along with an orchestra. Um, right. In a, a more efficient way. Totally. But I like what I do because I play it solo so I don't have to worry about changing keys yeah um, sometimes I, I will tune like half the harp well and you'll half sing while different. you play which to yeah. me is another fucking mind bender <laughs> yeah. um as someone who's playing music uh, more regularly myself lately like to to do that multitask sing and play the instrument my mind can't even fathom that yeah, I, yeah. I require so much concentration on one thing. It's it's totally yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. That's a whole nother level I, to it. And so people that are have that natural ability, I'm just like wow. It, it wasn't that's natural. So cool. Nothing. Nothing. All yeah, that. nothing yeah. I, so I guess it, what I would always want to tell, what I used to tell my students, my art mm. students, and what I would always want to tell young people is that it's not natural. What, the only thing that's natural is your desire to do something. So yeah. you, you have a des- your natural like inclination that you love art or you love music like I yep. did. Yep. But my skills, I was not naturally good at anything. Sure. <laughs> I had to work really hard. Well, um, I'm just but, saying though, even, the, even I, I agree, but even at say six years old, it sounds like you were doing that. I where was. you were playing the keyboard and singing at the same time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's true. And see, that's the, I get, you know, and granted, yeah, I mean, it's developed a long way from there. Yeah. For sure. It's yeah. just there's certain things like that that not everybody has that skill. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I know you can develop it and make it, you yeah, know, but yeah. there's people like you that at six years old were just like, oh, yeah, I got song structure. I got this, well, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. but that's cool. I think it's just I love your that. Interests, sure. And that was what I obsessed over. Sure. But do you, Do you feel like it was uh, someone in your blood history that had a predilection for those types of things that then got that was the the impetus from the the deep blackness of the universe to get you interested in certain things in the first place? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wonder I, about that myself. So I, I come from a very musical Irish family. Ah, you know, see. I, Irish people yeah. often, a lot of us sing and play. I didn't know until huh. I went to my grandmother's funeral actually that she sang. I didn't know that. That's um, cool. She sang in see, pubs. That's the st- yeah. And, um, so all these pub musicians wanted me to sing with them. So sure. for her funeral, I sang with all these oh, musicians. And dope. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was really moving. That but it must was, have it been. was a part of her life that I just wasn't privy to because I never like yeah. went to a pub with my grandmother. Well, I just wonder that. But, what but you know? My dad was a musician, and um, I am not through blood, but um, through marriage related to Lyle Lovett. Oh, interesting. And uh, there's a couple other musicians in Ireland. I've always liked his music. Yeah, yeah. Huh. My um, my grandmother's husband uh, was a Lovett. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So. Huh. 
trippy. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've found every time I go back to Ireland, I find out more about my family history, and there's more musicians. It's the same for me when I go back to France. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. What I've learned that the, um, well, the, I've learned that the my family, my blood relatives in Paris in particular are the finest embroiderers in oh. France and have worked for the, like the royalty for generations. So, so maybe um, you're like, you're so that, that's the thing again, detail. just like you're seeing, I, yeah, I suspect somewhere in my blood history, there's gotta be an architect or a <laughs> sure. Mason or yeah. a builder because I was interested yeah. in architectural toys right off the bat mm. and dove right in. And that became my field of study in college. But yeah. that was a consistent interest that was very different than other kids that wanted to be like the fireman or the cop or the whatever doctor you yeah, know yeah, i was yeah. like architect yeah you know i want to build things cool. you know i want to design things yeah yeah but i i feel like again where does that come from i mean you know even i see that in my friends kids where the kids will just have these crazy interests that they wouldn't have really picked up even from the television or another kid or another adult and they're just like driven by it you know what i mean and yeah. to my uh friends the the parents they're just kind of like I, man i don't know what the hell <laughs> it's just who they are and it's just that's how it's coming out that's yeah. that fascinates me how that it's like the uh ancestral karma in buddhist circles we talk yeah, about yeah. that I, you know i definitely believe in that yeah sure. yeah, yeah. I've experienced it directly. do you know the the thing about the um what is it the seventh the seventh generation is the old soul and then mm. it gets reborn again and then you have to go through the cycle again seven times mm. i forget which mm. system of philosophy or whatever yeah. but it's interesting to me to think of it that way and you know to when i run into people sometimes i'll look them in the eye and i'll kind of make that determination of where they're at in their ancestral sequence yeah, they, they feel like even in Buddhist circles, you know, if you're getting reborn at a certain point, you have a life that might be what they consider a bodhisattva, where your life is dedicated to goodness and service, and you're of great service to the world. And then you you're not you don't have to be reborn mm -hmm. again into the human form. You can go into the celestial realm mm -hmm. where you're connected to the all. Like in an Alex Gray painting, you become one of mm -hmm. those. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> You know what, I, I can relate ever since I was little. Um, I, I didn't necessarily study anything like in Eastern philosophy. I wasn't exposed to it as a kid, but I always felt really old. And I used to tell my, my mom, I remember saying like, this is my last time I'm here. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's a fun thing to play with no, that idea because I often in our artistic circles especially the people that excel and get to the top and are also kind of have their shit together you know mm -hmm. and, and um aren't uh driven by the culture's needs and wants yeah, and find their own <laughs> groove right i think that's that's a wise person's uh way of approaching the world and also somewhat courageous mm -hmm. and maybe built on the previous generations that thought they could only achieve you know or i don't know but again you never know where you sit in that Ew. sequence you could think you're an old soul and you're at the seventh generation but That's you true. could actually be a cocky number two <laughs> second generation you That's know what true. i mean you That's don't true. know you that don't know 
stay humble and stay. It's something though. When I look in people's eyes, there's Mm -hmm. something about people who have no um, kind of fear of just like really looking into your eyes and just taking that moment of Mm -hmm. quiet and that silence and just soak in a person's soul. You know what I mean? I've only met a few people like that. But oddly, I've talked to them about this same subject, and they knew all about it and thought that they were old souls, too. Because <laughs> yeah. so many people had pointed it out to them, too. It was just like, what's up with you, man? Do you see it in me? And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's up with us? We've, we've, just, we've crossed paths before. It's a weird thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always thought that with you trippy podcast today yeah yeah but but speaking of like ancestral all of that i Mm -hmm. I think i think my um my family history drove me to want to be an artist and a musician and uh, and, it must have and travel it must have had some sort of influence it did because um i knew from a young age um some really rough things that my grandmother and my dad had gone through in ireland Um, Mm. my my grandmother was part of a generation of women who were imprisoned in um, this, these places called the Magdalene Laundries, or huh. Magdalene con- uh, Convents. Uh, it was very unjust, horrible. Uh, Ireland, uh, their prime minister, apologized for it in 2013. What were they locked up for? For being uh, pregnant out of wedlock, or oh, okay. um, for being prostitutes, or sure. uh, sometimes it was just the, the girl was too pretty, and they put her away because they thought she was going to cause a problem. Um, well, yeah, that's, so, wow, what was so, going on at the time that, like, the 1950s. society would, like, <laughs> it was, uh, you, know, <clears throat> you know, kind of hone in on on girls in that way? Yeah, they... they that does they, sound they gnarly. Were, they were yeah. kind of a Victorian institution. Um, they, they had them in... Um, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my biggest uh, criticism of the Victorian era was this whole idea of we are naturally and by god above these people yeah and and we have the authority by god to do horrendous things to keep the the good Mm -hmm. right yeah ah so dark yeah so i i saw you know my my grandmother the dark side of catholicism i suppose Yes. throw him in a convent so yeah my dad was born uh, she she was pregnant with him and she, my dad okay. was born in one of those institutions oh and, wow and they, okay they they both talked about abuse sure and, and so i knew from a young age that they had experienced horrible things yeah and i saw the struggle they had sure. mental health struggles yeah. due to it and and i felt in a way i i inherited that um because they had limitations they weren't able to be Right. Everything that I needed from a parent. That's a big part of ancestral karma. Yep. It's like, um, you know, what did your parents learn that made your life easier than theirs relative yes. to the way that they were parented? Exactly. Right? Um, yeah, so. so people that are broken, mm, it, it's going to be tough for them to be good parents on some level. Absolutely. So you know? I saw, you know, I saw my father and his struggles and my mother different yeah. struggles um they did better than the generation they came from um, right, and right. i and i took it upon myself to say okay i'm gonna do even better i, sure. I need to um, i think that's the goal of life yeah yeah t- in some way to yeah. uh take the the things that your ancestors learned and bestowed upon you and use them for the good yeah 
So I, I think I think because of those struggles that were very Irish struggles as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Irish Catholic yeah. issues. Um, I grew up Catholic, yeah. Irish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got I, a lot of Irish blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. French, French Catholic could also be all relatable. that. Yeah. All that. No, I was I was deep in the Catholic shit as yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah, no. I, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I I think that's what inspired me to be interested in ancient Ireland because I, I wanted to get back to a time when people weren't fighting, like Protestants and Catholics weren't fighting. Like, not to well, say, and even like, as a young person, when you read that, uh, as you're understanding history, even as a subject matter, yeah. and you're like. Oh wow! The place I lived in, this didn't exist before. Like these, this beef between these religious people. Yeah. Before yeah. we just were Irish, and we had this one thing, and yeah. we had all these different sects and whatnot and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And and yeah. not to I. And it's a valid part of our. Yeah. Histories, kind of. Yeah, and so I, mm. I never wanted to idealize the past because I don't think it was all that great either. There's of always going to be problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's humanity. Yeah, it's humanity. Yeah. But what I did like is I wanted to glean the spirituality from the ancient Irish. Um, that's what fascinated me because it was a little bit more Native American. It's connected to the earth. They're druids. They were connected to. They had an alphabet that every single letter represented a different tree. And huh. to me, I thought that was amazing. And yeah. I still study that because I, I just... That is pretty amazing. Yeah. And just I wanted to figure out the wisdom of my culture um, before all this shit went down that was a, was what my family struggled with. Sure. You know? Sure. So... That's, that's cool. Yeah. It must be really cool to play like a composition, an ancient composition too on your harp or whatever. You yeah. ever get to do that? Well, there's... I mean, yeah, there, can you find those those sources of like sheet music of some, like, people that have kind of figured out what an ancient song sounded like? Yeah, there's there's some um, in in Irish music. There's some songs left over from the 1700s. This this oh, author cool. named O'Carolan, okay, who is awesome. I love him. Um, but um, I wanted to go even more ancient. Um, really, yeah, really I, I always uh, loved uh, dead, dead Can Dance. <laughs> yes. And I feel like yeah. wasn't that part of their kind of mission was to bring these ancient things to light in the modern so. context? Like it the it sure sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, and, and that's what yeah. struck me. It was like, these are gorgeous, but this is actually historical material as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's that's kind of where I come at it. And I just try to wind around and find yeah. interesting historical things that inspire me but also sure. I, I want to bring a like I, there was a book I read that um, written by a druid who said it's not about being a druid in a hundred um, year a hundred it's about what is being a druid now like that's how the Buddhists talk to right yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The present moment is all you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even the Buddha himself said that his teachings needed to adjust and, and you know, bend with the times and the cultures so that they are able to get uh, understood properly. Yeah. Because the way that he explained it, you know, thousands of years ago is a totally different context. Different context. Different yeah. language, different time, different struggles, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's neat to me too that when you, when I put tattoo equipment in your hand, did I mention it was all good to tattoo yourself? 
Did I, or did, it, did I even push you to do that? <laughs> no, that was the first time you, you had me come over to your house and you're like, oh, I'm going to do a tattoo on you and I'll, okay. I'll show you how it goes. And then when okay. I got there, you're like, nah, I changed my mind. You're going to do a tattoo on you. Okay. And I always felt like you had that in your head and you just didn't tell me until I no, showed no. up. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, honestly, in that, in that moment. I don't even remember that detail. I think maybe, um, I mean, frankly, <laughs> thinking of it now, like, and knowing that you knew how to draw and that you were interested, it felt like, well, let her just jump right in. Like, why kind of, I mean, I could throw a tattoo on you. A quick little jammy jam and talk you through it but i don't know if you really want to do it let, let her just do her first one right right now like fuck it yeah yeah because i knew good. you were going to do I, I figured if you were into it that you'd you'd want to continue to just do it so i was just like let's just throw it in her hand and see how it goes yeah but then you kind of <laughs> then you did a whole bunch yeah yeah the whole my whole inner leg is all me sure i think that's a neat thing though for people to hear that you know often when you're starting to learn how to tattoo uh we'll tattoo ourselves yeah mostly on our upper legs my first tattoo i did on myself on my upper leg there yep the first tattoo that i made i had a whole bunch when i made it i remember seeing that one yeah totally graffiti writing yeah? yeah yeah exactly yeah um but yeah, and you immediately went to the, the were they Celtic glyphs? Where were um, those? The, it's, it looks okay. like Ogham. What's it called? Ohm. Okay. It's O-G-H-A-M. It looks okay. like Ogham, but it's pronounced Ohm. That's how um, it's pronounced. I that, always wondered. That, those, are, those are the <laughs> okay. Druid letters. That's the Druid the, stuff. The tree alphabet. But again, that's the thing. It's like you're like, oh, I got green light to manifest this kind of stuff in my skin. <laughs> oh, I know what to put in here. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. you just stayed that course. I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Again, there was this, uh, to me, again, it, there, there has to be some sort of innate interest and in, in drive to pu- push certain things that I think comes from outside of us as individuals. Yeah. You well, know? That, yeah. But I, did I ever tell uh, you that the, the, the <laughs> night before I, I tattooed um, a person for the first time, my, mm-hmm. my friend who came mm-hmm. over to your house, Amelia. Yeah. Um, that was my first tattoo on another person. I was yeah. so nervous. Oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I meditated. I was just so nervous. But what gave me peace was I had a dream and I woke up with the dream in my head. And in the dream, oh. I was watching my hands and I was like using like a mortar and pestle and grinding um, charcoal. Sure. And then I saw myself sharpening a tool yeah and it was all like very oh, ancient cool. and when i woke up in the morning i was like either my ancestors or maybe a past yeah. life me did this before it's so, funny you say that and even mention the part that you meditated because that's what happens when i do retreats yeah. i'll have these um like i've even before i connected with it physically on a retreat level i always felt like there were um memories in me of my bloodline ancestors almost like a dream kind of memory that can pop up and often people think those are past lives but i think it's just your actual bloodline you know um and in on retreats i've done that where yeah i've had that dreamlike uh vision of first person looking at my hands working with different things 
mm-hmm. knowing it's not me, but it is, you know what I mean, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to do that um, going back, you know, thousands and thousands of years and checking in on blood ancestors along the way. I now, of course, that. like, n- n- who knows if any of that is fucking real? But it is something I actually experienced on a retreat. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, I was yeah. able to go all the way back to like a cave person ancestor yeah. on that retreat, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I've I've expressed that with other people that are, have done those like week long retreats and they've had similar, even mm. uh, like a few sits in a row where you just kind of very quickly descend into this egoless place where these these things come up. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. trip like that. I, so it's almost yeah. like you had, you know, it was like yeah. you got, your ancestor came up and was like, girl, you've done this before. Yeah. Uh, you know, like your hands know, no, yeah, don't fear this. This yeah. is this is what we do. That's exactly yeah. what I felt. It what was a like fucking a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope people are soft enough in their consciousness to catch those messages yeah. and to kind of not just brush them off as... Yeah just thoughts you know mm-hmm. so i mean it is just thoughts in some way but man there's yeah, there's they, something they there's can, something to that they can at least gift you with um confidence yeah and peace I sure think. Yeah. well i'll bet that you know knowing that that it, it, i feel like your approach to tattooing has been more ritual transcendental ancient and a bit more all-encompassing than just the trade of putting a mark on the skin Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, even with Derek, the way that I taught him was to, to keep it old school and just the client comes in, they tell you what you want, you get the deposit, they come back in two or three weeks and you fucking get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't talk or you do whatever the fuck, whatever energy people are bringing to it, that's on them. Yeah, whatever yeah. energy you're bringing to it, if you're having a shitty, grumpy day, big fucking deal, you do the tattoo anyway. You know, but I know that a lot of customers want a deeper connection with their tattooer and want to have more of a a spiritual uh, engagement with it. Yeah, and yeah. and I always, from the start, I, I thought you, you were probably not so suited for that old kind of shop paradigm, having to deal with a bunch of grumpy, stinky dudes. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just you, you you just didn't have that kind of you know feel, I, and I didn't want to put you through that. But I thought you know if you just uh, focused on your thing and found your focus and let it be run the way that you want to do it, you'd find your people, and you really did. That's and I think that's a neat thing that you know you are that lady that offers more than just the tattoo. Sometimes it can be that way, I'm sure. Somebody yeah, comes in, yeah. they want this, blah, 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 knock sure, it out. Sure, yeah. But other people want more. They want a, yeah, they want yeah. a connection. And I, th- I think that you offer that. And I think it's really cool. Thank you. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's you what know? I wanted to, to provide. Yeah. That's, I, and I think that was needed in the tattoo business. I, and I think it needed some softening around the edges. Yeah. And there can still be the old guard of traditionalism and you know even just flash shops picking i mean knock yourself out but i love this uh newer uh approach of just doing your thing and finding your people you know and your your people will find you and even having the uh openness to go international to find them too and to build those relationships yeah yeah. um i I think now too 
thank God we traveled and tattooed because I don't know how much we're going to be able to do that from here on out, even yeah. if they open the borders. It's true. It's true. Uh, they're going to let us travel with tattoo equipment in the post-COVID age? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Are they gonna I, see? That's the thing. I think the whole industry of tattooing is kind of up in the air right now. It is. Yeah. Scarily. Yes. yes. But back in the day, there weren't shops. In ancient times, there weren't shops. No. People figure out how to do the to make the mark in the skin, and other people want it, and that's always going to happen. Yeah. And even true. a lot of the old timers my age or older you know are just like ah mike you know fuck it man i closed the shop but i tattoo in the garage again like i did in the old days i don't give a fuck (laughs) fuck everybody you know city's not gonna bother me i've got my certain you know yeah certain clients everything's sterile mike you know how i work you know (laughs) and i'm like fuck world knock yourself out i don't give a shit yeah i don't give a shit because i do remember uh, getting, t- you know, I used to host tattoo parties in my house where friends would tattoo each other with jail rigs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. way before <laughs> shops and all this like stuff was an uh, issue, you no, know, and yeah. health safety and all that. I mean, yeah. fuck, people forget that pre what 80s, nobody wore gloves. <laughs> nobody wore gloves people were reusing needles Jeez. you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. whole yeah. different ball game it's no, fascinating so tattoo, tattoo tattoos have already adjusted to a, a pandemic with yeah. aids you know so oh sure so, well you know, yeah i mean and that did again. it some good actually did, yeah. i think that was uh 